0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to The Haunted Collection, with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, returning to give you more chills for a stormy night. Welcome back to another episode, and I'm happy to come back with some scary stories, a couple of ghostly stories for tonight. But first, I want to, as usual, invite you to visit my website, myhaunteddolls.com. You can visit the shop and purchase any of the books I've published, and you can get it autographed. And I have some great spooky stories out there in those books, so you want to check those out. My latest horror story collection, Dark Awakening and Other Tales for a Midnight Hour, is available there. Also, my books are available on Amazon and Kindle, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, etc. Kindle, if I didn't mention that already... And also, there's a couple of those books on audiobook, on Audible, and Amazon. So there's something for everyone out there. Be sure to check those out, please, and support your starving writer. (laughs) And And also, let me invite you to my YouTube channel, My Haunted Dolls on YouTube, where I post videos of evidence and stories behind the haunted items in my collection. I know you'll have a good, chilling time watching those. You can find the link on my website on the link page, or just look us up on YouTube, My Haunted Dolls. So now, let's get on with tonight's episode. The first ghostly tale that I've chosen is a shorty but a goody. This one is called The Fate of the Dead. Sometimes it's better not to know. From northern Italy comes a tale of an old peasant couple who tried to know too much. One night they swore a solemn oath that whoever died first would try to return to tell the other what lay beyond the grave. A few, le- a few years later, the man died. He was old, and his heart had been failing for a long time, so his death was not unexpected. The body was cleaned and dressed and laid out properly in the couple's house, as in those days people had wakes in their homes for the dead. Friends and family came and went, paying their last respects and offering what comfort they could to the widow. The old woman thanked the visitors, but told them that they should go home. She preferred to spend the night before the burial alone with her husband's body. She sat in a straight-backed chair next to the corpse, and wondered where her husband's spirit was, and if he would be able to return as he had solemnly pledged to do. A sudden knock at the door caused the old woman to jump out of her chair. She half expected to see her husband's ghost standing outside, but at the door stood a tall young man carrying a long wooden staff. He was a stranger. She had never seen him before. The stranger said that he was was looking for shelter, for the night and decided to knock to check and see if she could provide that shelter. The old woman nodded toward the corpse laid out in the room. But the young man seemed neither alarmed nor surprised. He simply sat down on the other side of the corpse and gazed intently at it. After about an hour, an unearthly and terrible wailing sound was heard. It grew louder, and was obviously coming from the corpse. Then, the corpse began to sit up. Its face was contorted in agony. Terrified, the old woman put her hands over her ears and rushed into the next room to hide from the terrible scene. The stranger rose and touched the forehead of the corpse with his stick. The eyes closed and the corpse sank back onto the table. Still shaking, the old woman came back into the room and sat down again. The stranger took his seat on the other side of the table that held the corpse. For a while, everything was quiet. Then, in the distance, church bells chimed. Even this familiar sound made the old woman begin to tremble in fear but as the sound of the bells died away the corpse once again began to move this time it did not rise slowly it jumped off the table its head jerking wildly from side to side it suddenly rushed toward the old woman Grabbed her by the throat and began to choke her. The corpse cried out in a hollow voice that sounded as if it came from far away I am in hell! You put me there, I'll make you pay! The stranger ran across the room and again touched his wooden staff to the corpse's forehead. The corpse relaxed its its grip on the woman's throat. From the point where the stranger's staff had touched the dead man's forehead, the body began to melt like a wax candle. Finally, only a broken skeleton and a bundle of clothes lay upon the floor. Now the old woman fell to the floor beside the remains. She began to cry and wail and beg for forgiveness and mercy. The stranger helped her to her feet and walked her over to her chair. It is not for the living to know the fate of the dead, he said. Then he opened the door and walked off into the darkness. Very creepy little ditty. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. I hope you did, too. So now let's move on to our next story. This next one has rather a (laughs) funny title, but the story is anything but funny. It's very creepy. The name of the story is Hit by a Ghost Bit by His Dog. The Society for Psychical Research, or SPR, was established in England more than a century ago. It was the SPR's aim to investigate strange events and phenomena that seemed to lie outside the boundaries of orthodox science. One of the things the SPR did was to collect what we might call ghost stories. The SPR didn't want legends or folklore or tales of hauntings that occurred long ago. No, the organization was looking for first-hand accounts of encounters with ghosts that could somehow be checked and verified. They collected thousands of such accounts. But the story told by one Mr. James Durham was a highly unusual one. In most SPR cases, the ghost was seen or heard, but rarely felt in such a way, such a direct and physical fashion. At the end of the 19th century, James Durham was a watchman at the railroad station in the town of Darlington. He had been employed there for several years and had the reputation of being a regular and conscientious worker. Everyone who knew him insisted that he was an extremely honest man, not given to telling lies or playing practical jokes. When James Durham said something, people believed him. In a letter written to the SPR, Durham said, I used to go on duty about 8 p.m. and come off at 6 a.m. One night, during winter and about midnight or 12.30, I was feeling rather cold with standing here and there. I said to myself, I will go away down and get something to eat there was a porter's cellar where a fire was kept on. So Durham went down into the porter's cellar, took off his coat, sat down on the bench in front of the small gas fire, and turned up the gas. As soon as he did this, a strange man entered the cellar from an adjoining room. The man was followed by a big black dog that Durham described as being probably a retriever. Said Durham, as soon as he entered, my eye was upon him, and his eye upon me, and we were intently watching each other as he moved on to the front of the fire. There he stood looking at me and a curious smile came over his countenance he had a stand-up collar and a cutaway coat with gilt buttons and a scotch cap all at once he struck me and I had the impression that he hit me I came up with my fist and struck back at him But my fist seemed to go right through him and struck against the stone above the fireplace and knocked the skin off my knuckles. The man seemed to be struck back into the fire and uttered a strange, unearthly squeak. Immediately his dog gripped me by the calf of my leg and seemed to cause me pain. Meanwhile, the man recovered his position, called off the dog with a sort of a click of the tongue, then went back into the adjoining room, followed by the dog. I lighted my lantern and looked into the room, but there was neither dog nor man. And no outlet for them except the one by which they had entered. Durham concluded quite reasonably, I was satisfied that what I had seen was ghostly. Durham repeated the story of his experience to his fellow workmen, and it caused quite a commotion. A lot of people asked him about it. A man who Durham called Old Edward Pease, or otherwise known as Father of the Railways, sent for him one day. Said Durham, He and others put this question to me. Are you sure you were not asleep and had a nightmare? My answer was quite sure for I had not been a minute in the cellar and was just going to get something to eat. I was certainly not under the influence of any strong drink, for I have always been a non-drinker. My mind at the time was perfectly free from trouble. That was not all. What really got people excited was that many years before, a clerk named Winter, who had worked in the station at Darlington, shot himself. And his body had been carried down to the very spot where Durham had seen the ghost. Durham had never known Winter and had not heard that anyone had ever committed suicide at the station. Yet, Mr. Pease and others who had known him told Durham that his description exactly corresponded to his appearance and the way he dressed and also that Darlington, that the man at the Darlington station had a black retriever just like the one that gripped Durham's ankle that evening. Said Durham, I should add that no mark or effect remained on the spot where I seemed to be seized by the dog. And nor was there any mark where the ghost had apparently struck out at Durham. However, there is no doubt that the watchman had badly skinned his knuckles trying to hit the ghost, going right through the form and hitting the wall. Investigators for the SPR visited the scene of what they called, quote, the battle with the ghost. And they found it exactly as Durham had described it. One of them wrote, It is the only instance which I remember in which an apparition attempted to injure, and even in this solitary instance there was no real harm done. Wow, imagine being struck by a ghost and bitten by his dog. (laughs) Now that's a tale to share with generations after. Apparently that's what Durham did. And speaking of creepy, scary things and the dead and all that, let's wrap this up with the final story. This title alone just gives me the willies. It's called... He is with me even now. Aboard ship during the 18th century, the captain's word was law. There were no higher authorities, so as long as a ship remained at sea, there was no one to whom an ordinary seaman could appeal no matter how mistreated he was, there were good captains, bad captains, and everything in between. On this particular ship, the captain was one of the bad ones. He was a heavy drinker with a quick temper and an utter disdain for his crew. Not surprisingly, The crew was sullen and uncooperative without being openly rebellious. The captain knew how his crew felt, but he could not operate a ship without a crew, so he focused all of his anger on a man named Bill Jones. Jones was probably the oldest man aboard, too old and too fat, really, to perform his tasks properly the captain was sure that Jones was deliberately moving slowly just to annoy him. He constantly screamed and cursed at the man, but Jones was not intimidated. He just continued to do his own work at his own pace. But one day, during a particularly vicious harangue, something in the old seaman snapped. He turned on the captain and lashed back with a string of oaths that stunned the captain and astounded the rest of the crew. Bill Jones shouted out what they all had been thinking but had been afraid to say. The captain could almost feel the contempt that everyone on board had for him. He couldn't stand it. Trembling with rage, he rushed down the corridor to his cabin. The captain came back carrying a blunderbuss, which is an old-fashioned type of rifle, that was packed with nails and pieces of iron. He found Bill Jones standing where he had left him and fired the gun point-blank at him the blast tore a terrible hole in the old man's chest he was dying but he had enough strength left to look directly at the captain and say in a surprisingly firm voice sir you have done me now but i will never leave you he died almost immediately after uttering those words While a captain had almost unlimited authority aboard his ship, he did not possess the authority to kill a sailor simply because he disliked him. The captain knew that when the ship returned to England, questions would most definitely be asked about the fate of a missing seaman. He made his crew swear that they would say Jones had become ill, died, and was buried at sea. Whether they would keep their oath once they returned home and were beyond the captain's power, he could not be sure. But the captain had more immediate problems. True to his dying words, Bill Jones had not left. The ghost of the murdered seaman was not generally visible to the ordinary sailors, but they were able to detect its presence by a row of casks that seemed to have shifted by themselves, or by a brass fitting that was being polished by a rag guided by an unseen hand. The elderly sailor, it seemed, was still performing his old tasks in his same old, slow way. Every once in a while, a sailor would apparently catch a glimpse of Jones's bulky figure, but as soon as the observer became aware of the figure, it was gone. The captain, however, saw the ghost constantly. He confided to his first mate, that it always seemed to be hovering around him. If he awoke in the middle of the night, it was at the foot of the bed, staring at him. He was so distraught that he could no longer exercise command of the ship and asked the mate to take over for him. The crew watched with a sort of horrified fascination as the captain seemed literally to waste away from day to day. He barely ate anything. He did not ever seem to sleep. He would just pace back and forth, back and forth across the deck. And every few seconds, he would turn his head to the side, as if to look at whatever no one else could see. One day, the captain apparently could stand it no longer. The mate heard a splash, as if something had been thrown overboard. He looked over the railing and saw the captain in the water. He was not struggling or trying to save himself. On the contrary... He looked like a man intent upon drowning. But quite suddenly, the doomed captain began to thrash about wildly, and the mate heard him shout out, He is with me, even now! Just before he disappeared beneath the waves for the last time. about you, but I think that was an excellent classic revenge story and kind of gives you the willies there well, that is it for this episode of Ghostly Tales of Terror but I shall return later this month for another episode of some more scary stories for you to listen to in the dark until then be sure to keep safe Keep those doors and windows locked. Watch out for anything creepy crawling around outside. Don't answer any creepy knocks on the door. And be good to each other. But by all means, have a happy haunting. <laughs>